Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Hey guys, Charlie here. Before we get into this week's ep, a little bit of housekeeping, just want to let you know about two things. Now, the first thing is that Fofop is moving to Fridays. New episodes every Friday from here on out. The other thing is that we're consolidating. We want to make it even easier for you. So we know a lot of Fofoppers listen to Tofop, so we're going to put them all in one place. That's right. From May, the only place to get Fofop will be via the Tofop feed. Two shows, one place. It's never been easier to get Tofop and Fofop. So on the odd chance you don't follow Tofop, just uh, go to that feed, make sure you hit follow, and you won't miss any Fofops. And that's it. Let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to Fofop. Uh, it is me. It is I. It is no, not Tom Ballard. It is I. It is Will Anderson, uh, the original host of this podcast, but the very infrequent host of this podcast recently, as Charlie has been doing the majority of the heavy lifting. I should mention before we get into it that the Fofop episodes. Uh, I believe this might be the last one ever. This might be. I don't know. I might not be, like, correct about this. But this may be the last ever episode that sits on the Fofop feed uh, because uh, we are going to put the Fofop episodes over on the Tofop feed. So you'll get Tofop early in the week and you'll get Fofop late in the week in the same feed. Just trying to bring it all into the same stream, basically. So uh, good to have this uh, guest here, a returning Fofop guest. In fact, one of the very few guests, very apt that he's on the show, because one of the few guests that has been both a Fofop guest on Charlie's version of the show and my version of the show from the Confessions podcast from Nature versus Nurture, brilliant uh, comedy documentarian uh, (laughs) and all-round good guy, uh, Mr. Sam Peterson. How are you, Sammy? Thanks for having me on, Will. That's... my face dropped with facial palsy. It dropped even more than it usually <laughs> drops when you said this was the last I wasn't going to say anything. I, was, I felt like you were going to cancel me. I said, did your face just drop? <laughs> you like, Will. <laughs> We've been Fuck friends you, for Will. years. You've never said anything. What this are you doing? This is huge from you, Will. I feel like we're taking a next step in our relationship if you start making facial palsy jokes. I, I was so worried just then, though, when you said it was the last. I thought it was going to be the last ever episode. And then the pressure for me to really bring it. In, in in 58 minutes is, is well, a lot no of pressure. pressure though quack, no if it's quack. the last ever episode at all like then it, no pressure at all because like <laughs> the truth of it is that it's not coming back regardless it'll never be released yeah it's like one of the greatest pieces of advice i got about doing corporate gigs early in my career was like i was quite worried about the idea that like famously in comedy sometimes particularly when you first start out Corporate gigs can be really hard. The more experienced you get, actually, to be honest, the easier they get. And eventually they they get mostly easy again. But <laughs> but there is a period of time where you are not what they want. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> thought you were what they want. You're definitely not what they want. And you worry a lot about not going well. And somebody gave me a great piece of advice that said, with most of these corporates, if you do the best job that anyone's ever done, 
they're still not booking you again next year because they want to get someone fresh, someone new. They only do a thing every year. And if you do a really bad job, they're not booking you next year. But either way, they're not booking you next year. So don't worry too much. And that would be the same if this was the final ever episode. Then there would be no pressure because yeah. no it's one's not coming, coming back. back. But it's not. It is just the final episode in this feed, I believe, uh, if I'm doing my maths correctly. And then you'll be able to find the uh, new episode of Fofob. We've aligned the streams. Essentially, we've got to approximately 420 TOEFOP episodes and 420. I mean, it's amazing. We did not plan it to be 420, but it could not be more on brand yeah, for yeah. the way all ideas have been like conceived in this universe. <laughs> it's like, like it is like the biggest weed driven like project ever. Like for anyone who thinks that weed makes you less ambitious, then just have a look at the sprawling TOEFOP empire with our stoner co-hosts and our stoner artists putting together this stoner empire but anyway <laughs> it's actually crazy the way that you've been so ambitious and everything when you know you know there's always a there's always a bit of weed talk there's always you you know so relaxed and everything on the podcast relax is is one of the big things on the podcast it's yeah. it's actually amazing that you two have done this over how, how many years is it now 420 episodes, how many? Yeah, I think, well, so, yeah, 420 of each, so that's what, yeah, 840 episodes of TOEFOP, FOFOP, and if you count the sort of bonuses and whatever, it's probably near a 1,000, and then you throw in the footy podcasts and philosophy, it's probably like 1,500, 1,600, 1,700 episodes or whatever we've done of stuff over the last... Uh, 13 years, I mean, I it's a good amount, Will. It's a good amount. It's a good amount to start switching <laughs> stuff up There's now. some content, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We finally decided. When you've perfected When we've got two, two podcasts that have incomprehensible names and backstories, <laughs> Tofop and Fofop, that we might just at least simplify things for people by putting them in the same feed. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. And also you being off social media, Will, like you're not hearing yes. anything from nah. anyone. If you know. Perfect time to make changes. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> to really drop the ball. It's a great time to drop the ball and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it does make me a lot more adventurous. Uh, so I did uh, Sammy's podcast, Confessions. Uh, we recorded it yesterday, uh, but you will actually be hearing this episode. Well, if you're listening to this when it comes out fresh, you will be hearing this episode before uh, my episode with Kirsty Wiebeck uh, of Confessions. Very funny. We had <laughs> such a good time. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was nothing but nonstop laughs. But we were talking a lot about the fact that I am off social media. And what I have found with that in particular is – absolutely feedback free in my decisions <laughs> like good bad or indifferent and look there are some i also don't know like i have to make up my own mind about whether things are going well as well <laughs> sure. like so it's not just like the pressure of like getting rid of people telling you that you're doing a bad job yeah I kind of understood what a relief that would be. And it's not as a surprise to me that I can now just live my life every day without some dickhead spoiling my day. <laughs> so, Isn't that great? Like I remember feedback, I mean, even even feedback after gigs, like, Will, you're at, have been at a level for a long time where you're not taking direct feedback after no. gigs. But I always remember they were the harshest times in a bar when you're doing stand-up and someone comes up to you and goes, I did not find that funny at all, which is, you know, the sort of feedback you get when you're, you know, when you're working in bars and everything and you're kind of like, God, this would be nice one day not to. My, my catchphrase on my podcast is don't at me because I just don't want to hear. Like I just I have no interest in hearing. I mean, particularly about something that's already happened. Yeah. <laughs> 
can't do anything about it. Don't have a time machine. Unless you're adding me with instructions of how to time travel yeah. so I can go back and right the wrong. <laughs> That's right. Like I'm not, I'm not suggesting that everything that I have done is perfect in any way. It just – like just believe me that I'm trying for things to be good. <laughs> you're doing like, your best. I, I am doing my best. Yeah. And like if something isn't working, I probably know – that it isn't working and I'm probably trying to work on fixing that thing. But I don't need your noise in the background yeah, yeah. annoying me while I'm trying to do that. Someone saying there was no laughs and you're going, I absolutely knew that myself. I knew yeah, that I, on stage. It was a good I, reflection. I mean, I had an angry on the first night here in Melbourne this season. So I've got this one joke in my show that is 100% like pro diggers. Like it's – but it's – like like a lot of my material, it is a very respectful point made in a kind of comedically disrespectful way. And you're famously is, pro digger. Well, <laughs> I'm pro- famously not disrespectful <laughs> sure. to the diggers. No, like, I've never heard you having a go at them. I'm not pro digger, <laughs> yeah. but this is like it's a funny bit, and yeah. like it's definitely on the side of the diggers. Yeah. Like there's no sort of like. <laughs> You know, really getting into these old diggers in this routine. It would be but amazing it if that was your brand now. Right. Well, I mean, That's why it, it still media. could be yeah. at some stage. No, you need to be on social media if you're going to have a hard – I mean, this is the other thing about being off socials that I do like is the idea that I, like, know that I can't do a hard right pivot. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> – like I, if I had to do a hard right pivot or if I had to do a Russell Brand, uh, you know, rebranding, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. of With course, that's what he should have called it, the Russell rebranding <laughs> <laughs> that he did, start his own cult. You need to be online to do that sort of stuff. I don't need to get in, other people involved in my business. But even in that moment of feedback, this mm. guy in the show who like at the end yelled out something like, you know, and it was in one of those shows that it just – like it had been a good show. Everyone had been laughing a lot, having a good time. And then he yells about when is it going to get funny? And you're like, it is for everyone else though. Did you not notice? <laughs> like I could get that heckle if like, you know, 900 other people hadn't been enjoying themselves. Yep. Like, like, yeah, it's not for you. Yep. Fair enough. Read the room. Like, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely fine with that. Keep your opinion to yourself. But then I heard, and this is even worse, and if you're a member of my audience, I do not endorse this. But I'm coming tomorrow night and I'm going to take a lot of advice from whatever happens next. I did hear that someone confronted him in the street outside the theatre and said that they hoped he died in a car accident on the way home. And I think that is, even when you're offline, yeah. you get a little bit of online in real life. Yeah, that yeah, felt yeah. like a real online escalation <laughs> in that interaction, right? That's Everybody a troll, was a real life that's, troll. That's people at an online level in the <laughs> yeah, real world. You right. don't need to take that energy out in public. You never meet those people usually either. You'll never no. meet a troll, but this was the one rare sighting of a troll outside the comedy theatre in Melbourne. Well, when you're talking about social media, uh, today I went to go and get a haircut you saw me yesterday i absolutely did not get a haircut today i was waiting for 40 minutes for a haircut i was like i i, I was really in a in a rush great time to go and are get a haircut are we talking a walking barber situation walk-in is barber. This all, yeah. yeah i didn't okay. just go yeah. into a place that definitely takes just, bookings and just bookings wait and say, <laughs> say when can you get me in <laughs> and then i said i hope you die in a car crash on your way home dickhead <laughs> But I, I was sitting there and a guy got up before me and he was with a mate. And I was like, this is kind of nice. It was two bros, like yeah. two gym bros. 
and they kind of looked like boxes. Like they, they looked like boxes and they were sitting there together and they were chatting and I was, they did some shopping. I was like, isn't this nice? Like a boy's day out. They've had a great boy's day. And I asked both of them, you know, and this is how annoying I am, Will, to sit next to because I was like, are you both getting a haircut? Because that'll take longer. <laughs> I'm real. I'm smart yeah. about it. I'm interacting. Yeah. I'm finding out. <laughs> and he was like, no, I'm the only one getting a haircut. Okay. So I was like, great. And did he look like he needed much of a haircut? He did like, not. Did you, he did no, not need it looked a like it wouldn't be a, yeah, okay. It wouldn't be cool. a long so a Quick job. Yeah. Quick, very quick job. Yeah. And and all the people that were coming into that barbershop at yeah. that point had very short hair already. I was thinking it's just really quick cuts. But what I found out about people who have really short hair like that, like kind of like crew cuts, they take a lot longer than I do for a haircut. You know, I, I grow my hair really long a lot of the time and only go when it's absolutely necessary. These people just go for a quick trim. And I was sitting there next to this guy. He gets up and he gets on his phone as soon as he sits down in the chair and he starts live TikToking his haircut. Shut up. It will. I. I have never been more embarrassed for someone oh, else. No. The only other time I could think at this time I'd be more embarrassed for someone is when someone opened up their laptop on the on the tram once on my way home and porn was playing really loudly. Like that was yeah. that's the only time I've ever had that kind of embarrassment. He was live TikToking well <laughs> and the hairdresser did not want to fucking be involved at all. And he started <laughs> Of course not. That's someone else's they're at work and you've just come in and started live streaming live their work. It for was content. awful. And he was putting what he was doing as well, he was he was he had a filter on that would put on different yeah. hairstyles. So he could like he was laughing with the people. Then you he was don't t- need a haircut. You don't mate. need a haircut. <laughs> Live your life. You like just that. go home. Put your filters on. <laughs> Please go home. Anyway. This is clearly the only time you've ever gone out of the house anyway. <laughs> just go home and whack your filters on, mate. <laughs> After that, the guy behind him, his mate, <laughs> starts commenting on his TikTok. Mm. And oh, yeah. they start. Oh, you mean from his from TikTok, his he comments <laughs> from his okay. phone. To, I guess I'm for the engagement, s- will it's quite good. So like- old, I'm so old. <laughs> I just can't handle how old I am. <laughs> I'm I'm 31 years old, will, and I was absolutely yeah. hating this whole experience. And he kept pointing it at me for questions. And I said yeah. at one point, which I've never said to anyone, I said I don't want to be involved. Mm. I don't want to – yeah, you're like – I mean, you've worked with Greg Fleet and Fiona right. O'Loughlin. You've That's never right. said no. I've never like, said no. You- <laughs> I famously don't say no. <laughs> you're the Sam of last resort. That's Everyone right. knows. The Sammy P will give, still give you a chance. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm pretty Even down on my no luck. <laughs> I might give Sammy P another call. But I, I was watching this, Will, and it was so, so embarrassing. And it turned from – 20 minutes, and he kept stopping to do Q&As. I don't know who this person was, but he kept doing – he stopped to do Q&As. The hairdresser at one point had to say, can you stop? We have so many yeah. people to get through. And, right. and he goes, but they're on my TikTok. I'll, I'll tag you. I'll tag you. And he goes, yeah. I don't want to be tagged. No, thank you. <laughs> like, this is I'm – like, I'm not judging you for making your content, right? Like – and not, and when I say that, I mean you. But also, I'm Me not judging this guy. Yeah, yeah, from, my yeah. confessions podcast. <laughs> uh, no, we, I mean we're all content providers. Like I'm not going to be one of those people who says that just because the way that my content is delivered mm. through like podcasts or on stage or a book or whatever is any more valid than the way that he is delivering his content. Yeah. But here's what I will say: 
like less non-consensual content. Like, you know, like yeah. you, respect the boundaries of other people to not want to be part of your content. Yeah, like this is, yeah. Like if I'm filming something for a TV show and we're interviewing people, we're handing out release forms. You have to legally, Will. Right? That's a big thing. <laughs> I yeah, made documentaries. But- you have to. <laughs> Yeah, did uh, did the uh, hairdresser get handed a little <laughs> no. release form before this guy went on TikTok? But his producer suddenly, our back should have suddenly been. Suddenly all these details were going to go straight to the Chinese government? I'll tag you. I also like it how you said content provider because the term that a lot of people like to use yeah. is content creator. I think yeah. provider just sounds a lot lazier. <laughs> Well, I mean, creators doing a lot of heavy lifting, right? <laughs> right. If you're going to get a haircut and people are that bored that they're sitting watching you get a haircut, and well, the content wasn't even that good mm. that he provided. There was nothing well, the, going well, on. Well, this is why this is the rebranding, mm. though, because <laughs> like I've like I went into the entertainment industry, yeah. so like it was implicit, implied, heavily implied in the name. You're that, providing like, entertainment. You, you you'd be for, pro- providing some content. <laughs> But, like, that, that content would inherently have to be entertaining also. <laughs> Whereas, like, when we got rid of it being the entertainment industry and just it was about providing content, then we lowered the bar a little <laughs> on what, you know, what, what content was. That's right. That's right. It was, it was the most embarrassing thing. I've never felt more embarrassed for someone to the point where I faked a call to get out of there because there was no way I was going to get out of there. I did not get a haircut, Will. I walked back maybe like 20 minutes later. I thought I'll go and go and have a lovely sandwich, walk back, and I don't know why I told you what I was going to eat, but I had a lovely sandwich anyway. It was fantastic. I'm interested. Yeah. We'll get back to <laughs> we'll the sandwich. We'll get back to that. It's huge. Huge for me. And walked back and he was still doing it. And at that point he was standing on his chair with the phone pointing around and kind of just going, this is an incredible experience. Like everything about this is an incredible experience. And – well, I was I was thinking about our conversation yesterday about you being off social media and I was just thinking, I think it's time for everyone. I think this I mean, is it. Part of it is what you've just described. That is, there, there is a point where it becomes unbecoming for you as an old person mm. to like – Leave whatever is whatever is like young people are into. That's fine. I'm like every gen, every like it, it is the job of every every generation to do something that is completely undecipherable to the previous generations. That's what like you know that's very natural. My generation did it to the previous generation to the previous generation. Mm. It is a natural part of our evolution as humans. So as I'm, providers, I'm going to be the last person <laughs> in the world to say you can't do it. But I think there's a place where. Like TikTok was it for me, I think. Mm. Like when I when I knew I wasn't going to go there, <laughs> when I knew that was for other people yeah. and that was fine, I was fine for other people to have it, then I was like, well, what am I doing with all this old gross stuff? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, if I'm not going there to this new place, why would I stay in this horrible <laughs> place that I already am in? <laughs> like I don't need to be here either. <laughs> It's beautifully put. It's beautifully put to be like, I don't want to be in this 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 cesspool where you're just there all the time. And and for you as well, I imagine creativity's gone up quite a lot. Oh, I imagine so, there's so much time in the day. I mean time, like I mean, I've read this year, I think I've read more books than I probably have read in the last ten years. Yeah. Like yeah. already. I watch television shows because, like, I'm not on my phone anymore. Like, that's – because, like, I literally just use my phone. I have email on the phone, so if I'm out, I can check my work emails. But other than that, like, if I'm at home, I often – 
I've started not taking my phone to things. So if I was going to something for a couple of hours, I would just leave my phone at home or leave my phone like in another room or leave it in the car or whatever it is and just not even take it into the thing. And it's amazing. Like you listen to people, but even – so tonight I was meant to be um, uh, driving out to the suburbs to visit a childhood friend of mine who – one of my great friends from from, uh, high school but also just somebody I've remained friends with for years. But sort of the friend that I – you know, because we live in different worlds that maybe I see once a year, maybe not even once a year. But, you know, we have remained close friends that entire time. Don't have to see each other all the time to, you know, kind of – that one of those sort of friendships. But tonight I was actually going to go out and – have dinner with him. It turns out he's actually sick, so we, we did, it didn't happen. But um, we reconnected recently because I was thinking about anything that I missed, like from being online. And the first time I really missed it was when uh, Australia was playing cricket in India and I was watching the cricket in India and I was like, oh, it'd be nice to be talking to some other people like about like what is happening with the cricket in India. And that's normally what I would get from – an online interaction. Right. You know, you'd see who else is watching the cricket, you'd be able to interact with them yep. and comment on what is going on. So instead, he and I just started texting each other in the same way as you might comment on something if you're, you know, watching it or live tweeting it on Twitter. Yeah. It's so much better because so he's my better. friend and I like him. And it's personal. And so we're reconnecting this friendship at the yep. same time as getting the exact same thing that I used to get out of social media. So you can re- replace the positive things. But the most challenging thing is honestly that, that thing I mentioned earlier, which is that idea of having to assess everything that you're doing by yourself. It's, it's a bonus when it comes to the world of entertainment because I didn't realize how influenced I was by other people's opinions on things. Like Justin and I will sometimes catch up about a movie or something and I'll be like, have you seen this or did you, what did you think of this? And my opinion is completely different to the mainstream or like at least what Twitter thought about the thing. Like, you know, you, you find out three days later that whatever that thing was that you thought was quite good got roasted on Twitter and everybody <laughs> thought it was terrible and you're like, well, I'm glad I didn't know that because I quite enjoyed it to be honest. <laughs> I had a good time. <laughs> I had quite a nice time, actually. Now, more importantly, back mm. to this sandwich. Mm. So <laughs> what, what sort of sandwich was it? Did you just go to a cafe? Do you go to a, a specialist? I love a sandwich, oh, so I'm happy to – I'd like to hear about the sandwich. It was a baguette, a toaster baguette. It uh-huh. was oh, yeah. salami, cheese, really thick cheese. It was uh, spinach, feta, olives – and it was all for the great price. How, how much do you think that would, in true uh, tofop and fofop fashion, mm. making you guess how much something yeah. would cost? How much do you think that sandwich would set me back? Uh, I, I need to ask if I need to ask if you. Oh, sorry, questions. Will, I have so, no time. <laughs> so, so, firstly, what, what's the size of this baguette? Are we talking like a subway foot long style size, or like up towards that size? We're talking half a foot long, mm. a baguette, a kind of a smaller, a smaller looking baguette. Okay. Uh, Delicatessen, cafe, specialist sandwich shop? Delicatessen. No no specialist there. (laughs) No, it felt like a delicatessen (laughs) though. Like just that combination to me, the old Mediterranean Mediterranean on a baguette. Like that feels to me like delicatessen special. So that lowers the price a little Mm. because like – I would say like in in a cafe fancy sandwich shop, Mm. you're not walking out for under 12 bucks. Absolutely not. That's minimum $12 I would have thought. (laughs) 
um, up to eighteen yeah. dollars, depending, yeah, depending on like you know, like the like the ingredients in it. But based on those particular ingredients, you could charge up to eighteen dollars for sure. that sandwich. Well, can I throw this in? Well, I don't know yeah. if this is going to change your opinion at all. They were wearing uh, white latex gloves, and they handled yeah. the money in the sandwich with the same gloves. Seven dollars. Yes, it was six ninety. <laughs> I think that's a crucial point because I I love someone that goes to the effort of putting on gloves but then handles everything with the gloves. I'm just protecting my hands from everything. That's what the gloves are for for me. I was like, Melbourne's back, baby. COVID has not changed a damn thing. There was a guy in the toilets that I – who um, I was at the local shopping mall and um, I'm staying out in the suburbs in Melbourne during the – comedy festival at my sister's house and uh, what I've noticed about this particular suburb is that there's no shops anywhere. I walk the dog every day and there's no cafes, there's no shops, there's no local street shops. All the shops are in this giant Westfield. Uh, so if you need to get anything, basically, you have to go to this. They have a, a two-level food court. It is one of the most <laughs> impressive things I've ever seen in my life and it's definitely got a hierarchy. Yep. Like. It's it's like a dystopian future where, you know, there's different levels of society that live on different <laughs> levels of the ball and, like, the higher you get up, like, you get the McDonald's burgers on one level and the Betty's Burgers burgers yeah. on the next level. So Betty's Burgers <laughs> and Concrete Co., which is something oh, sorry, that not yes. enough people talk about. The Concrete Co. is very <laughs> important concrete. to the Betty's Burgers for some reason. <laughs> Betty's Burgers. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? It's so weird. <laughs> because, like... Everyone calls it Betty's Burgers. Mm. Betty's Burgers is a catchy name. Yeah. Who at HQ has gone, nah, mate, it's the concrete. So that's what people are coming <laughs> for. This this has always been – this was – do you think oh, – I know this isn't the case because it's just a modern-day creation of a – but I like the idea that it was too – Competing companies that eventually came together, <laughs> right? Like there was, yeah, there was like the concrete company, <laughs> and there was Betty's Burgers, and they finally did a merger. But it was like one of those mergers where they had to keep. It's very important, <laughs> like when the Brisbane Lions left Fitzroy and went to Brisbane, <laughs> that we still have a lot of the Fitzroy iconography involved yeah, in yeah. the company. This is we're not getting rid of concrete company. This is still a concrete company because it was one person's business, and it was like that's yeah. my that's my stamp on the company. Also, will when when an earthquake happened in Melbourne a little while ago and one of the only places that was damaged was Betty's Burgers and I was like I think they need to focus a little bit more on the Concrete Co because that was the only place that was really like damaged like there was a lot of stuff coming down from there and I think that was the only time. I think the problem was that they had mistakenly used the delicious frozen (laughs) milk and ice cream to put the bricks together in the Betty's Burgers. (laughs) It says on this bag this is concrete so... You're actually to blame for that, for the naming of your company. So you're, you're talking there's there's McDonald's and then you've got Betty's yeah. Burgers. So it's quite a fancy, fancy tier there, Will, of um, of your food The courts. top tier. There was the some sort tier. of like pretzel place. Yeah. I, I went and got a pretzel like, and they were like, that'll be 10 minutes. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> like, really? Like, 10 minutes for a pretzel. I mean, that's your, your – your, like Betty's Burgers, you're going to have to wait for a little bit as well. They're sure. making stuff fresh. Yeah. So this is your like not quite as fast food level. So like first level down, things out of a Bay Marie. All, all of Asia are out of a Bay Marie. McDonald's, 
KFC. Yeah. Then you get up a little bit and then you're getting into some Nini chicken. Yeah. You're getting into <laughs> some Betty's Burgers. There's a specialist bagel Pretzels place. Pretzels and Joinery Co. or something yeah. like that. <laughs> That's right. <yeah. laughs> Peter's Pretzels and Joinery Company. <laughs> Now, I don't know where Guzman y Gomez uh, fits in that scale. It feels like Mid-tier? if there's – yeah, I feel I yeah. feel like I feel like Guzman, <laughs> depending on where you are. Yeah. Because uh, uh, now Sam Simmons was the person who alerted me to this backstage in Adelaide and he was um, – there was a, a like a tourism like magazine but a very glossy tourism magazine about South Australia that uh, uh, Cozzy – uh, formerly of The Biggest Loser uh, uh, and then now Adelaide Celebrity Cosy. <laughs> um, he was hosting this promotional South Australian thing and it's basically like, you know, page 18, the Barossa Valley and like a couple of businesses at the Barossa Valley and like the Adelaide Oval and here's some business around there. Like so all these places in Adelaide that you should visit. And then one of the pages is Guzmani Gomez. <laughs> Which you simply I've must to, go. <laughs> I've got to assume there's got to be a contra advertising deal of some kind. But like the idea that, well, look, we didn't have 80 things. We had 79, so we've worked in Guzmani Gomez. <laughs> That's such a funny thing to advertise, just saying you've got, while you're here, go and mm. check it out. This unique Adelaide Mexican <laughs> restaurant, Guzmani Gomez. But I do think that Guzmani Gomez, and I do not know if I'm saying that correctly. <laughs> no time does. to check. No time to check. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> but Guzmani Gomez. Yeah. Um, like the, I am interested in, in the Australian food hierarchy because – like it's not good Mexican. As somebody who lived in like California for a long time and like ate a lot of really good inexpensive Mexican food, like Guzman y Gomez is not good Mexican food, right? But compared to the Australian, the rest of the Australian like takeaway chains, I feel like like when I'm on a long drive, if I'm going to Sydney to the Northern Rivers, like, you know, 10 hours in the car, if you pull into a service station and there's a ray of your like KFC, Hungry Jacks, like McDonald's or whatever, it does always feel like if you choose Guzman y Gomez yeah. that you are like, look at me looking after myself, <laughs> dipping these deep fried corn chips into, into runny cheese. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on a health kick. <laughs> Usually only in Adelaide I will stop for the novelty <laughs> yes. at a petrol I'm station. The best Guzman y Gomez <laughs> in the world. Well, where do you, where do you rate, uh, rate Nando's in there? Where, where, I'm saying, say well, because Nando's? as a vegetarian. Oh, sure. Like, okay. So Nando's really, they got a veggie burger, no good. Like <laughs> Betty's Burger, veggie burger. It's like it's a, a Beyond Meat burger. It tastes like a like a burger burger. It's really fucking tasty, which is what I ate today. I like their chips. They're good. Yep. Hungry Japs, Jacks have good chips. Yep. Uh, their vegetarian burgers are okay. Mm. Nando's, don't mind the chips, mm. but like wouldn't stop there just for chips. And yeah. as a non, non-chicken non eater, they're not really offering a lot to, the, you know, whereas your Mexican, your Guzmini Gomez, the Mexicans, they, they, they love a vegetarian. Yeah. It's mostly vegetarian. <laughs> Well, my parents, Will, who you met yesterday, uh, I you did. Know, good friends with them, and they were good friends. <laughs> good friends of my parents. Good you are, <laughs> I or am, I am. You are. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a good friend know. of my parents. <laughs> <laughs> None of all your life. <laughs> we go way back, but they they would say that Nando's. You know, if they were ever coming yeah. up to the city, Nando's would be the place that was a bit right. fancy, yeah. but it was also 
really, really nice. And they used to take me because, you know, my brother was a bit wayward and still is a bit wayward. They would take me as a treat to go to Nando's. So I always thought Nando's was one of the fanciest places you could go in Melbourne. And then I remember people with, you know, friends of mine that, you know, as you go up and you make more money and things and you're able to afford, you know, different places and everything. I remember once going to a place and going, is it like Nando's? And they were like, no, it's not like Nando's. It's super normal. It's a really nice restaurant in in Melbourne and it's not like Nando's. And I was, I seemed like I would just come down from the mountains for that day, talking about Nando's as one of the fanciest places you can go. Well, here's the thing. In the United Kingdom, mm. either Nando's or Roe Porto. I can't remember. Is, Nando's, is it Nando's? It's a restaurant. It is. Yeah. So Nando's is a restaurant over there. <laughs> yeah. And so it is kind of fancy. People go out to a, like a fancy night at Nando's. There's drinks. It's a night out. <laughs> yeah. I love like UK world. <laughs> The first time that I saw that <laughs> when I was staying in London and I walked past a Nando's and I was like, that looks like a nice restaurant. That's, was like, that was my belief, Will. That, that's, yeah. I fit into well, the UK you might crowd. be right. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> we might be wrong. My people. People from the UK must come out and go, oh, my God. That's right. Like You should go to Australia. You can get expensive <laughs> restaurant food everywhere. <laughs> But my parents are also the people that believe that, you know, that, that Gloria Jeans is the best coffee in Melbourne and Hudson's Because they the hate homosexuals. They hate, that's right. They hate homosexuals. Yeah, they just, just the, it's the taste of It's the taste of this chain-hating homosexuals <laughs> that really just can't stop drinking this coffee. <laughs> but, you know, but those places that you think – when you come up to, you know, the big city for the first time, these yeah, sorts of places, true. when you start seeing little bits and pieces, I kind of still like the shitty places. And I love a, I love a food court as well. And that's... Oh, yeah. That, I like a food court. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, I went to West Edmonton Mall, which is the world's biz- biggest shopping mall, or it certainly was at the time. I haven't checked in with the <laughs> rankings lately. I have, I believe I've been to America's biggest mall, which is Mall of America right. in uh, Minneapolis or just near Minneapolis, and uh, and also uh, West Edmonton Mall, which is in Canada, uh, but also – so they're the two biggest malls. Well, at least at one stage were the two biggest malls. Like have full science – at one stage they had more submarines in that mall than the Australian Navy, I think. <laughs> it's, it was basically – Why? got water slides, it's okay. got like dolphins in it, it's got a hotel in it, there's like a bowling alley, a comedy club, like all this stuff inside this mall. But it also has so many food courts and because of the desperation for people to get people to eat at their particular event, they all have like um, samples out the front. So everybody's got a sample. And I like went to that mall for a day and I ate like a king. It was like a degustation dinner. I would just walk around the mall and sample every type of food. It was like the Victoria Market night market. So I was like, this is the best. You made a day of it. That's so funny that you're yeah. like, it's like you being on a cruise ship or something. I made a day it of was. it. The comedy it club. was. I was like, I'm just going downstairs. I'm going to have a tiny amount of a lot of different foods. <laughs> Did you always avoid doing comedy on cruise ships? Well, was that, is that something that you've always avoided? Or was there a time in your career where you thought, I'm going to do some comedy cruises? 
So one of the, we, I've spoken about this on TOEFOP before, but one of those internet uh, quizzes went around. Boy, I miss these things. But um, <laughs> no, it was one of those times when the internet was, you know, whatever, harmless enough. And it was a list of 25 things uh, that people, you know, do, whatever it is, commit a crime, like, you know, um, uh, you know, be arrested, um, like, you know, smoke pot, like go skydiving, you know, go on a cruise, whatever. Like, so it was a list of 25 and you're meant to post like how many you haven't done. And every time that list would come around, the answer would always be one and the answer would always be go on a cruise. I have never been on a cruise. Yeah. I get mildly seasick. Sure. I, have, I don't like underwater movies. <laughs> I just, I, I like to swim. Yeah, great. I enjoy, I enjoy the ocean to swim in. Um, so if you went overboard, I, it would be ideal for you. It would be, to be <laughs> honest. Like every time I see vision of those people on there, like, you know, billion dollar boats that all those rich people have, the only time I think it looks like fun is when you see footage of them in the middle of a beautiful ocean diving off the boat into the ocean. Yeah. That bit I would enjoy. Yeah. The whole bit of being on the boat, getting out there, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Not for me. Got a bit of a nicky tummy, to be honest. So um, you can't take drugs on cruise ships. So I couldn't, uh, I couldn't smoke pot when I was out there, which is – to be honest, a compelling enough reason for me to not do anything. <laughs> like if the other option is do something where you can smoke pot, yeah. then I'd prefer to do that thing. Uh, never say never, of course, because there might be a time in my life. I hear they're good gigs. Like that's that's the one thing that I do hear from people who go and do the cruise ships, that they're beautiful theatres. Um, the shows like, you know, tend to be pretty good. Like it, I think everybody's very well aware that my worst nightmare is being trapped anywhere with my audience. And that is no disrespect to my audience. It is all entirely about how I interact with people in social situations. It is never about them. They're, they're all cool as fuck. Yeah. I just am socially awkward. Yeah. Like part of the reason that I've orchestrated a world where I can just say what I need to say in a way that is pre-packaged <laughs> and people can access it the convenience is partly because it feels safe for me to say it that way. But also I don't feel like I'm bothering anybody by like, like even at a show, if someone's not enjoying the show, like there's part of me that thinks, well, you bought a ticket. Yeah. yeah you yeah. came. Yeah. Like, you, you should have known what this was going to be. I haven't lied about what it is. Yeah. Like, this is on you, to be honest, <laughs> mate. Like, it is not on me. But if I'm just out in public spouting my opinions or, you know, talk, I just, yeah, I find it, I would find it hard to be trapped somewhere with my audience. Especially, Good, bad, or indifferent. Especially because, as well, you got off social media. That would kind of be like you going back into social media in a really heavy way. I mean, the worst, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I guess if there was a part of me that missed the feedback, that might be a way to get the feedback, but in a very controlled way. Like two or three days a year, yeah. I go onto a boat yeah. and I go the opposite direction. Yeah. I go like I do my show and then I literally walk around in the same clothes I was wearing at the show. <laughs> like I don't do any of the things I normally do when I'm in public. I like put a hat on and put a mask on yeah. and like disguise myself. <laughs> it's the opposite. Yeah. I literally wear the same clothes <laughs> and I just walk around, possibly even with somebody saying, hey, Will, loudly, yeah, constantly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to kind of attract people's <laughs> attention. And then I just receive any kind of feedback that comes my way. Yeah about my work, about my life, about my appearance, whatever it is, you can just get it out of your way and then it all happens in international waters so that none of it really counts. And then I go back to my real life and I'm just like, that's done for another year. <laughs> that's 
done for another year. <laughs> I think that actually sounds like the beautiful life, really. You just do in a few cruise ships a year yeah. and then you're out. Then you're back. You're back living your life rurally, I imagine, would be quite a nice thing. I Yeah. I, I mean, I like the idea, Sam. Like, I think I talk about this too much and, like, but it's true. So I've, I've got this, like, recurring fantasy at the moment that – not, not, not all of this is healthy. So my show, you haven't seen it, you're coming tomorrow night, yep. but it's very much about my str- – like I stayed inside for too long, a, a lot of it for good reasons, um, but it, it's made it a bit more difficult to go outside again. And like it tells it tells that story of my struggles to try to get back out into the world, but like, you know, the fears that come with that and, you know, my successes and my failures in regard to that. And that's really how it feels. So I'm constantly compelled between these ideas of – that I want to be around other people and I do get joy around. Like, you know, I sat in the wings and watched Ann Edmonds' show last night mm. and I came and did that podcast with you and Kirsty, and, like, I had a really great day. And I was like, isn't it great to see other people and, mm. like, you know, enjoy life and go out and do things. But there is another part that to get me to sleep every night, I used to do this thing called Five Great Inningses to the Australian Test Team, which was this fantasy I have where I have to fill in for a mate in like local cricket and I play so well they immediately promote me. And anyway, like it's mostly in the title, which is I play five great innings and find myself in the Australian cricket team. That is – and normally somewhere in that process I will go off to sleep. But about six months ago that stopped working and now I have this new thing and – like this new thing clearly is a thing, you know, like when you know you're like, oh, this is about something else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm than not me. sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it, I the fantasy is that I am in some sort of escape room or um like, you know, sort of a like some sort of place that has been built like a, a like a nuclear bomb bunker or like somewhere that is shut off from the world. Mm. And, and an event happens in which I am just shut in this place by myself and there are books and there's like some food supplies mm. and I have like some DVDs and entertainment and whatever. Yep. And then I just spend whatever time like feeling relaxed for the only time I ever really feel relaxed in my entire life and it gets me to sleep yeah. because this idea of burying myself away from the rest <laughs> of the world is incredibly comforting <laughs> to me. <laughs> I love that because I'm like I'm I'm a uh, a extroverted introvert so I love I love time by myself. Time by myself is the best thing to me. I just love it. But I had, and not I know this is a comedy podcast, well, but I had probably the worst year of my life was 2020 and it wasn't because of the pandemic. It was because I had a, a project with a friend. It got into a legal battle and there was a lot going on at the time and it was just the worst time. There was every day I'd wake up to a new drama. It was, it was two weeks in particular that were probably the worst time I've ever had in my life. And I remember, and, and like I th- again, like I know I've said this publicly before, but yep. I thought Craig McLaughlin <laughs> was wrong. And again, well, I can't I legally I'm, say his name, but you can. You and that's can't, fine. but I allegedly, he, allegedly. <laughs> if you say that, you get out of any legal yeah, problem. Fine. I've heard yeah, that's that's definitely true. <laughs> that's actually true. You can look that up. Yeah. But you know, but the worst, probably the worst two weeks of my life, and it was a, it was quite a bad. Like I don't think. I don't think I'll really be able to resurface in a way that's complete. Nothing will ever be normal again because I lost a friend in all of this, one of my best friends, uh, through legal issues. I couldn't talk to them anymore. And it was it was a, a thing where I knew 
I was not at fault and, and there was nothing that I could do to kind of convince myself of that because every person that I knew, every person from my world contacted me to say exactly that. But I realised, Will, in that moment, like I got off Twitter, I got off everything and I was kind of like, what is what is going on? What is it that I really want to do? And I started realising that people could call you on your phone because before that I would never answer my phone when it called. Like I would, I would right. be one of those people that would look at it and just go, I don't, I don't talk on the phone. I don't do that. I'm not that sort of person. And I have never talked on the phone more in that two weeks. And I've since become someone that randomly calls people. Our, our, our mutual friend, Dave Thornton, once called me on his way back from something. He was in the car. It was really loud. And he once, he was like in the car and he was talking to me for like half an hour, just talking, talking, talking. And then I was like, oh, mate, I've got to go. I've got to, I've got to you know, I've got to, I've got to go for dinner. And he goes, oh, shit, I forgot that other people have things on when I'm driving. (laughs) And, you know, just when you're in that moment of going, I need to call someone and I need to talk to someone. And in that moment when they don't pick up, you're like, oh, fuck. Because I think you and I are probably the same in that when you want to talk to someone, it's by your choice and you go, oh, I really want to talk to that person and I really want to to discuss a few things. And then – that connection of being back in the open when, you know, you come and did came, came and did the podcast yesterday and, you know, you go and see a show by your choice. It's so nice to be back out there where you have the option to go to a food court. You can go to the fancy top or the middle top, the middle top. But it is I, I went to the fancy top, guys. That's just the life <laughs> I'm living. Doing pretty well. But it is Straight up to Betty's Burgers. <laughs> and Concrete Co. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, I'm so sorry. Go, go, go. I, I legally have to say that they're a friend of the show. But when, <laughs> when you can go and do that stuff, have you ever had a concrete at Betty's Burgers? <laughs> more importantly, I've, I've like... tried. Oh boy, have I tried to get a concrete go. <laughs> I'm more of a burger person, you know. I never go for the concrete go. It would be amazing no. if there was a cement mixer out the back, though. <laughs> yeah, I want to see the mixer before before I order one of these concretes. <laughs> I, I, this is a concrete company. <laughs> but, but I reckon for you, Will, as well, like you being able now to just go and do your, you know, go and do your big tour that you do every year, now you're kind of getting to do things in your kind of, I guess, going out and seeing shows and everything. It's all whenever you want to do it and you're not living in the city and, and have kind of feeling like you have to do things all the time. Yeah. Well, it's more of an effort. Yeah. Like, so you, you're doing something more consciously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's part of the appeal of social media is that it is so easy to get a connection mm. or to get the semblance of a connection or yeah. to get the, you know, like, I mean, I there was a kid today in the street that like literally nearly ran into me when I was walking the dog because he was just so engrossed in his phone. And there was a part of me that's like, like whatever, he could be on the – like he could be, you know, with his best friends or like he could be like talking to his partner or whatever it is that he's doing. But he was like not looking at the world at all. And the – it's a different connection. Like – I'm not saying that, like, I mean, there are some things about the internet connection that are better and there are people who have been able to, fo- I mean, we're doing a podcast. Like, it's amazing what? that this sort of thing could happen and that, <laughs> sorry, man. <laughs> oh, we're just catching I, up. I, I monetize all conversations. <laughs> You're a content provider. <laughs> exactly. I have some content to provide for you, please. Whether you want it or not. 
I'm not saying that it's like there's not good things to it, but it's the ease of it that it is so like enticing to us. We know that like the thing about like Twitter in particular when I was there was the amount of people who were constantly complaining about how bad Twitter is. Yeah. And you're like, it's the equivalent Hold of when I first when I first started doing comedy, there were so many comedians who would just complain about their like wife or their partner or whatever. And you're just like, you know what? You probably should just leave. <laughs> and and I was like, this is I don't think this is a good place. Yeah. I think I should just leave. <laughs> and here's what I will tell people is I honestly thought this year's show would be all about the fact that I had left social media. I really did because when I was leaving it, it felt so momentous. But then what I've realized is that it was only a big part of my consciousness in life when I was on it. I don't think about it at all now that I'm off it. Like the only thing that I fear is that I, you know, become one of those people who always sermonizes about the idea of how good it is about social media. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's my greatest fear. And like, and I, I just love it. Like, I mean, I can't. I I, I sometimes think of what would get me back. Like, if you're a social media company out there and you're like, we've lost one. Yeah, this is a bad sign. Yeah. We've got. Look, we're gonna focus in on him and try to get him back. It's been the opposite because the more that I'm off it, the more I'm starting to consider like my screen time in general. Like I've noticed that now that I've taken all social media off my phone, I spend less time checking the news and stuff on news sites, even on my computer. I don't watch as much stuff on my computer. I like only really ever listen to books or to podcasts on my phone. Like there's not, I don't take photos. I'm not a photo person. So like there is part of me that, I've I found it really contagious. I, I've been considering doing one of those holidays where, you know, you don't take any technology with you at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you're just <laughs> A like, detox, I think it's cold. <laughs> yeah, but like just telling people, yeah. by the way, you're literally just not going to be able to contact me <laughs> for two weeks. Like I'm going somewhere, like I'm not taking my phone, I'm not taking my computer, you can't contact me. Yeah, well, I mean, well, that's kind of like the – I guess if I was if I was a company saying trying to get you back, you mm. don't think someone filming themselves on TikTok getting their hair cut, you don't think that would that ever wasn't bring it. you that back. That wasn't the offer that, that got it. me back, no. <laughs> and that's fine too. If people yeah. are like like watching other people getting their hair cut, then I haven't like whatever floats your boat. Like I'm not this is not judgmental. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'm not saying that I am right, but I'm definitely saying that I am right for me. This is definitely the right choice for me. Yeah. Is that and I'm also very lucky that I didn't have to leave. I just got to ghost it. Like my management still run my accounts, so any benefit there might be for having those accounts still running is like handled by somebody else. And yeah, so that still exists. But what I've realized is that so much of external like feedback is knowing about it. Like I'm a big subscriber to the idea of what you don't know doesn't hurt you. Like I really think that that there's great wisdom in that because like I know that people are still saying mean things. I know that there are still bad reviews of the show or like what all those things of course still exist. But because I'm not hearing about them, then I can live my life without that in my life. The other side of it is I don't hear anything positive either. 
like in between when I went off socials and now I've like I've been doing this tour. I released last year's special on the ABC that I know a lot of people watch, like because the ratings were really good. And then you know we had a TV show that was on air. I had the book that came out. I don't know if anybody liked any of them. Like I've got no like. I, I, you know, there's none, none of, I used to say of social media that the worst thing was you get 10 good comments and you get like one bad one and you concentrate on the bad one. Like, I don't get the nine good ones either yeah. now. So I live without that as well. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the most interesting thing is like, <laughs> yeah. it is quite confusing because I'm like, then why do you do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> if it isn't for all this, like, validation, <laughs> what is it that drives you to do this? And I'm like, I don't know. I think I just like doing it. Yeah. I don't actually care if people like it or not like it. I just like being able to do it. And then as long as I, it goes well enough that I can continue to do it, that's all I need from it. Like, I don't need anything other than that. Like, I need it to go that well. I need it to go well enough that I can continue to do it. But... Anyway, I don't want to become one of those boring old people who talks about this all the time. <laughs> you that probably, is my, you probably just, I have been already. You probably just need to know that at some point an audience member will threaten another audience member out the front of your venue. That's the kind of that's the kind of feedback where you go, someone liked your show that much and likes you so much. They will threaten someone. Oh, mate, like there are those things are happening in real life all the time. Yeah. Like whatever you need from the internet. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you like looking at like Instagrams of people in skimpy bikinis, mate, you're going to fucking love beaches. <laughs> let me, you can go for a swim as well. It's the best. Don't get in a boat, make your tummy a bit icky. But like, you know, like whatever it is you need, like that you're getting from the internet, which is like if you need someone's bullshit opinion on something or if you need like, I don't know, whatever, you can get that in the real world. Yeah. Like. It's all there, oh, isn't it? It's it's yeah. and it's all kind of, you know. The, I think the thing I've enjoyed so much about doing doing my podcast is sometimes at live shows you'll have someone come up to you and talk to you about something and something that you don't even remember. You know, it's something that you did like you know two years ago or something, and kind of a comment or you know something that you read out on Reddit that made an impact on someone else. That you know that and and it's usually people that aren't on social media, don't email people all the time. They're just kind of happier to come up and tell you something that they they really enjoyed. And and I think there's a, there's a lot more value to that than you know, than someone blasting you on social media over nothing. Well, what I learned this week is that I'm still contactable because like I got several emails to my email account from people who were at that show just sort of exp- like part of the reason that I know what went down afterwards is because some people went to the effort of finding my email address to send me an email about, you know, to sort of explain what had happened. And so it's not like you can't find me, but you feel like those people who've done a little bit of research yeah, to get yeah. the email address, like <laughs> by the time they've done that, you're like, oh, well, this is a considered opinion. Yeah, 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 yeah. I trust this opinion. You weren't able to just fire off this comment under 30 seconds of a video you saw <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> It's like people that used to write to the green guide and, you know, like really mail in the letter. And you go, that's a lot. That's someone that really is angry. You know, to go to that effort to actually write it, to mail it, to go to the post office, still angry and going, no, I could I could back off at any point and they're still mailing it. You go, well, that's someone that's really has that strong opinion. I did a bit of stand-up about this in the old days and the, the reason that I 
it was an inbuilt cooling off period, <laughs> right? Like you knew by the time you got an envelope <laughs> yeah. and a stamp and an address and went to the post office <laughs> that you were still really mad about the fact that Lisa McQueen had left Blue Heelers, you know? <laughs> that's like, right. yeah. <laughs> like, and that's, I think that cooling off period is part of it. Like, it, so, um, you know, it's the difference between. So, I've got someone, someone coming to my show this week um, who has threats. And they were good enough to email and sort of say, you know, look, if I tick during the show, I'm very happy for you to acknowledge what it is so the other the rest of the audience understands what's going on. And so I go into that show and whatever happens, if that person ticks, you know, then I, I know what the situation is. I can deal with it, you know, like does it make things like – I'm not, I, would, I hesitate to even use the word difficult. It just makes things different. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But if you're pre-warned and you can get used to it, you have this cooling off period. But if I was surprised by that, if that just started happening in the middle of a show, I would be in the middle of the show. I wouldn't know what was happening. I think somebody's heckling me or whatever. I react in that situation. I end up reacting in a way that if I knew what the backstory was or had any time to think about it, that I wouldn't react. Mm. Well, that's all social media is. <laughs> it's that reaction in the moment. Yeah, yeah. Like if you had that three days of going, oh, I know what this situation is and I understand that and I want my show to be accessible to everybody so that's important to me and this is what accessibility is and, you know, all these sort of things, you know, like then – so it gives you space. Yeah. It gives you time. Yeah. And here's what I've also done. It Like it's – no one needs my opinion on everything. <laughs> Like the internet convinces you that you have to have an opinion on everything. I was talking to Dave Hughes about this. So like the internet, you know, he 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 went a little bananas he went on off. the internet during. <laughs> it's safe to say. Know, he, he went off. <laughs> he, he did a show called Trending. So yeah. I'm not telling tales out of school when I say this. I think everyone's aware that Hughesy was trending very often on Twitter for a and while. And he does some the- amazing stand up about it now. Yes. Like it, it's hilarious. I saw Trending. It was so so funny. Like. I mean, it's a very, very funny show. And, but he, I was talking to him about it and he said that he just felt like he needed to have an opinion on all these things. And that's what the internet fools you into. And that's what commercial radio fools you into as well, or any sort of radio really, which is this idea that you're in the opinion business and that like every, you have to have like 10 fresh opinions a day. (laughs) Like here's how, here's how many opinions I've had since I was on social media. Six <laughs> total, like since then, tops. <laughs> like, you six know, tops, tops. <laughs> and I'm probably being generous. Yeah, yeah. I could not name all six off the top of my head, definitely. But like at some stage, I reckon I had six opinions on things. Like, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I don't really have strong enough opinions on anything. I'm one of those yeah. people that just doesn't have. I don't have strong opinions really on anything. I'm very much, you know. I think my friends know exactly where I sit. It's somewhere where I go. I support rights for everyone. Everyone yeah. knows that. But apart from that, I don't have really strong opinions. Other than my friendship group kind of knows exactly that I believe in equality. But there was there was a a thing like a while ago where on my podcast, it's all about the world of online confessions. And I thought it would be really funny when Tom Ballard came on because Tom Ballard is a really political, incredible comedian. I thought it would be really funny at one point to start talking about how much I hated the current government, John Howard, the Howard government. Yes. And I went on about that. Anyway, I have never received more malicious emails in my life. 
And I was like, that's not even something that exists. Like I'm saying I, if the GST comes in in Australia, the goods and yeah. services tax that has been in for a, for decades, and I'm talking about that, I'm saying, oh, the Howard government and everything, I'm getting that one many. Of, <laughs> one of my favourite bits of yours is current Prime Minister John Howard. John Howard. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you get other people to bring it up. You know, you go, you're Mark Humphreys, one of the greatest satirists in Australia, bring that up and go, our current Prime Minister John Howard. John Howard. And just see if people find it funny or not. That's one of the greatest <laughs> things in my life. I say it to people in real life now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our current, well, current <laughs> Prime Minister, John Howard. Be as bad as our current Prime Minister, John Howard. One time I went, I went to an election last year and had on my thing, Howard the Coward. I wrote that on my shirt and got a photo there. And there was a woman there that just went, you what? <laughs> and it was one of the greatest moments because obviously Howard the coward, everyone's got all these strong opinions and I'm going, vote zero Howard. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> am I? Am I? Am I right? Am I am right? I? Have I had a mental collapse? Am I right? <laughs> but it's also good that you have such firm opinions that he's doing a bad job. Yeah, like that's terrible. That's what I like. You're like, we've just got to get rid of this guy. Our current Prime, Our Minister. Current Prime Minister John Howard. <laughs> Any American or UK listeners as well? Writing into me, letting me know that the, they've done a quick Google and they know that John Howard is not the current Prime Minister. But I'm I'm sticking with it. I think he's still there and his, his reign of terror will one day end. I sat next to, on a plane once, uh, current Prime Minister of Australia, John Howard. <laughs> current Prime Minister, <laughs> must be said. <laughs> and so that was quite an interesting experience. Did you have I, a chat? Was like, uh, not really. Mm. So... I, I, anyway, people have heard this story before, but like I'll give you the short version, which was that I'd done a gig in Darwin and I'd had a big night out in Darwin and uh, I was very sick at the airport the next day and uh, then I got on a plane and found myself sitting next to John Howard, who many people believe was responsible for axing the glass house. He was not. Yeah. <laughs> but like many people believed it was the case and it was quite a big story at the time. And so I thought that he would probably know who I was and, you know, and but I – couldn't I look? There's a there's a there's a better version of me that would have been able to sit there that day and have a conversation with him about you know his strengths and weaknesses as a prime minister, challenge him on his border policy, and you know yeah. like talk to him about the fact that you know he fought so hard against like same sex rights, and you know look at the world that we now live in. It's just so comfortable, more comfortable for you know same sex people, and like the the fucking sky hasn't fallen down. All these sort of things. I'd love to have said all those, but I was concentrating so hard on not vomiting for the entire <laughs> flight, and when I I say concentrating hard on not vomiting. I mean that in between the times when I was in the toilet vomiting <laughs> because I vomited a lot. <laughs> and that was my protest. <laughs> you disgust me. You're very I dirty protest. Yeah. <laughs> very said, dirty. Like, you make me sick, current Prime Minister John Howard. <laughs> you current Prime Minister. It's you, <laughs> you current, absolute current, current Prime, Prime Minister. Minister. You are such a current Prime Minister. He, uh, I, I saw him once in in Sydney. I walked, I walked past him, and he was wearing a tracksuit, and he was uh, mm, shaking yeah. people's hands. and 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 my friend went up and had a little conversation with him, where he pretended he was Paul Keating, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I thought that was fun. <laughs> I was like, I'm on board for that. I don't know if you're trying to do a, a chaser sketch, but he just kept calling him Paul Keating. Not even what Paul. I, but what I love is if you are like in this world where people are TikToking their, their haircuts, um, their haircuts yeah. like it is not the chaser anymore, right? Yeah. Like it is everyone. Yeah. Like yeah. everyone 
is providing some content <laughs> and current Prime Minister John Howard is, <laughs> is rife yeah. for people like who want to provide some content. But any public figure now, you've got to assume at any stage that you could be being pranked. Yes. Like, yes. So Tom, Tommy Little, um, uh, and he talked about it this on stage, so he won't mind me saying this, uh, but uh, he's had some uh, weird, uh, they think it's maybe an allergic reaction, maybe, anyway, they don't think it's like a, a long-term issue, but he, he got a tattoo, he's been a bit stressed, he's doing the comedy festival, they can't tell exactly what it was, but he got this weird like lump of fluid sort of under his arm, over his heart, and so he panicked a bit as of you course, would if yeah. like, you know, something like that happens, goes to the doctor, they said, oh, it's just fluid, it looks like it's a probably allergic reaction, maybe, you know, when you were getting that tattoo, it has, but he, look, he doesn't know what the, the reason is. Anyway, by the next night, it had moved down to where, like, his belly would be if he was a person who had a belly. So this fluid, like, basically has just been moving around his body and then just, like, gradually, you know, going down as it goes. So my theory is that he's been pranked. So I believe that comedian Sam Campbell, he's my number one suspect, <laughs> that comedian Sam Campbell has been commissioned for a secret prank show. Yeah. And that that he's got the tattooist to fill Tommy Little up with liquid. <laughs> I believe that's what happened <laughs> for content. It's called content it's provider. Content. Sam Campbell's content provider and he's like doing real life pranks. <laughs> real life pranks. One of the best uh, pranks I ever saw, Will, was uh, one time I saw a friend of mine uh, in this kind of dodgy share house at the time and there was mm. a real dodgy housemate there that no one trusted. Everyone was kind of like they, they knew he was always up to something a bit dodgy. And one day uh, I saw him walk into the living room and my mate's wallet was there and he didn't see me there, but he took out a $50 note. And I I thought I'd be a shit friend if I didn't go, hey, what are you doing? Because I knew it was my friend's wallet. I knew there were no other explanations for this. And he had the $50 note in his hand and he looked at me and he said, it's a prank. Mm. And, <laughs> and mm. I was like, what a comeback. <laughs> up into up to what value? Up to what value is it? A up to what value prank? is a prank? Like, how much money can you take out before it stops being a prank? Fifty? Fifty, 50 feels too much uh, to me for a prank. Way too much for a hilarious prank where you don't give it back. Because <laughs> I don't know at what point. Because my friend was like, but he still took it. Like he didn't give it back, and I was like, yeah, yeah it's a hilarious prank. Well, I mean, if he put it back, it would be basically admission that he was stealing, yeah. whereas if he takes it, Double it's just down. all part of the hilarious prank. I always ask people if they're prank people and look, yeah. <laughs> no one who I've really become lifelong friends with has ever been a prank person. I imagine that you're not a prank person, Will. Not a prank person. No. In any way, <laughs> feel uncomfortable with pranks. Because like, they're always annoying and they always put someone out in the worst possible way. Well, and even prank calls. Oh, like, yeah, so, yeah. So Tony Martin, who we both agree is an absolute genius, mm. like one of the greatest comedians of all Absolutely. time. And so as close as I could ever get to enjoying that, there's a famous uh, prank call that they did on Martin Malloy called Shed, about Shed World, where they were getting the person to say Shed as many times as possible. And that is one of the funniest sketches of all time, a really funny prank, and I'm not sure that I've ever listened to it in full. I always have to stop (laughs) and, like, have a moment to, like, put myself back together because I just – I. 
The idea of being pranked. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of pranking somebody, all of it. I I'm, not, I'm not in favour of any of it. it. None of it makes me feel comfortable. And this is my thing about this TikTok world where we're not signing consent forms is that anything could be a prank. Anything, like, any point could any be a prank. Stage. Yeah. I love uh, Charlie on on the podcast always brings up that he's, he's so worried yeah. about being on Brown Cardigan. Being a video on Brown Cardigan. Absolutely. And I, I Go have Go through some cobweb, get swooped by a bird, end up on Brown Cardigan. <laughs> Because people love content. My dad uh, is is hates hates being. He doesn't really like comedy that much, you know. And yeah. he he, uh, he really doesn't like it. The, mine, mine either. I mean, I don't think he has firm opinions, yeah. but he's certainly not interested. Not interested. <laughs> and my dad, I think the only two people he's ever seen, the only two people that he will yeah. continually go and see, are you and the Cranksky sisters. Right, so I mean, very similar. I don't, I don't even know how to feel about that. There's part of me that feels like I should be complimented by that, but there's another part of me that like is like if this guy hates comedy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I go to Will to not laugh. and then Just I... to remember. Just to remember why I hate it. And I go to the Krenskis as well, but they're not around as much. <laughs> they could be the Pranksky sisters. All they Imagine do is if they rebranded. <laughs> Exactly the same, but they just play hilarious pranks where they steal money from the audience and go, it's a hilarious prank. This whole show, we didn't write a show, but you'll find the ticket was $50, which is the line for hilarious prank. But my my, my dad does not like comedy at all, apart from you and the Cranksy sisters, and he occasionally yeah. will send me, most weeks actually, he sends me mm. a, like a cartoon, his favourite cartoon. It's usually someone that he just thinks is hilarious. Usually, is it, is it Mark Knight, I think? In, okay. Yeah, he usually yes. sends me one of those. And the mm. caption is always, you can't write that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can and he did. Yeah, and drew it as well. (laughs) (laughs) You can both write and draw it. But I think it's great. I think it's such a funny thing to say. And Dad used to say that after he used to see you. He used Mm. to always go, you can't write that stuff. Can't write that. Yeah, I did though. He did. (laughs) And Will spends a lot of time on it. (laughs) And months. Months of my year just really fucking working hard writing it and then saying it. Not to my dad. You can't write that stuff. Every night you're coming up with that new. Even like the idea of um, – it's funny. I was talking to somebody who works – I love – so like I said that I don't get a lot of – I mean I, you obviously get the audience feedback but I don't get a lot of people talking to me about the show and the people who work at the venue that I perform at, I perform at that venue every year and so often you'll just get people who work there every year and they'll give you a like, I like this one more than last year or like this this compared to last year or like whatever it is and I quite like that feedback. Right. But I, I, well, I, I went preferred in the, your la- I prefer your early material. Well, I think that I, – I like the idea of getting feedback from somebody who sees it every year. Oh, sure. Okay, like, yep. So I don't mind that because if they said, oh, I like last year more than this year, like they probably – that might not even be this is a better show. It just might be the themes that you were talking about in this show I related to more than the other one. Okay, Will, like, I snapped too I li- soon. I apologise. I blacked out and I snapped at you and I do apologise for that. I, I kind of like people who come regardless of that. Like, you know, it, like I don't think that every show needs to be an escalation on the previous show. Like it needs to be about something else. And so that like the audience comes along and they go, yeah, great. Okay, this was like another good episode of this like show that I've been watching for this time. But these people, 
they're not choosing to come. These people are employed by the venue, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you know. Yeah. So their feedback is a little blunter than people who are fans <laughs> who are in for the ride. You yeah, know, yeah, they'll yeah. give you some. And I was going in the other night at the stage door and I was talking to the lovely lady there who I won't identify for privacy reasons mm. for her, I guess. But Doc's um, so well. <laughs> yeah, there's enough people. She'll know who she yeah. is if she ever hears <laughs> this. And this is not a mean story. But she just said to me, she goes, oh, yeah, she's been at the theatre, you know. I reckon I've performed there 13 years or something like that and she's probably been there for most of those years. And uh, she goes, oh, my God, you wrote a book? That's really fantastic. And I was like, she goes, oh, I must be really hard. And I was like, you've been here for this every year. This is hard. Like the audience gives me immediate feedback to this. Yeah. Like writing a book, that's the coward's way. (laughs) I just put all the words in the book and I send it out and they decide whether they like it or not and I don't need to know about it. Like this is, this is hard. (laughs) Like it was just weird to me. It was like somebody, like a guy's going out to bullfight and he grabs his like little red rag that he's going to wave at the bull and somebody goes, oh, that's well aligned. (laughs) You're concentrating on the wrong bit. Like the hard bit I'm about to go and do. Do it every night. Yeah, you're here for it. <laughs> you're here for it. <laughs> That's so funny. It's 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 great to hear. Like, I think from someone that you know, and and you obviously saying that you know about uh, me doing uh, my confessions pod. You know, like actually someone that comes on all the time and everything. It it does kind of mean a lot from people that you know that you know really know what they're talking about as well because they they mm. they are provided with lots of content as well. So they actually know. I think also, um, yeah, they have lots of content. Well, at that theatre, they get a lot of comedy during the comedy festival, but like sometimes, you know, it literally is that thing of going, well, it's not come from away, is it? (laughs) You know? (laughs) There's not 90 of you on stage doing a moving musical about immigration. Like it's just you yelling jokes at people, isn't it? Probably don't need to be that angry about Roald Dahl, but you are. So I guess that's how we're spending our time. That would be hilarious. So if they also gave feedback to all of the cast from Come From Away every night. Yeah. 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 Great tonight. Really good, actually. I've got to be honest. (laughs) So um, I do think that, There is something about the idea – so there's a very famous comedy reviewer called Steve Bennett uh, who runs a website called Chortle and uh, for good or for ill, he has become the, you know, sort of preeminent voice in world comedy. Like he started a comedy website and like he wasn't elected to that position. He was just a dude who started a thing and it became the sort of – yeah, it's the most prominent certainly UK, you know, world comedy guide and a lot of the time it's mostly Steve, you know. It's mostly him doing the reviews and – as such, he has an incredible amount of power in the comedy industry, really. Like, probably not as much as people think. Like, I mean, I don't think reviews of any kind are particularly, you know, on a rare occasion they can swing a season for somebody. But for most people, they just, you know, float off and, and you know, no one really pays much attention. And But it's still a very respected site. And I sometimes don't agree with what he says about my show or, like, what his opinion about my show might be. But I know that he sees it every year and quite often he will make an observation in a review about something that's different or something that I'm trying or, and like he might not even think it's a successful thing that I'm trying. But I always at least I'm interested in what he thinks because I know he sees it every year. He, he like, you know, he knows that this year's show doesn't – like even though it's meant to exist by itself, 
Like obviously you want people to be able to just come in and have it exist by itself. If you've read the book or you saw last year's show or whatever, I think the show is something else completely as well. Like it is part of a series of shows or it is part of an on- unfolding story and it's different tonally to last year for a reason. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not just that like – and so I like that when people see you every year because then you do get that idea of – like, I mean, also, it's good, obviously, for my bottom line. If people could lock in and see me every year, that, that's also really great. I'd really appreciate that. that. Thank you so yeah, much. That's right. <laughs> Steve Bennett came to see uh, a show that I did, Will, and I, I think I might have mentioned yeah. this to you yesterday, but he came to see a, a quite awful show that I yes. did, and he, he – you're agreeing like you think every show is like that, Will, but he, he no, said to I me – I just specifically <laughs> know the show that you were talking about. So. And, and he said uh, it was an awful show show but gee sam tried really hard and i i agreed with the review and you know i i still have that review and i look at it sometimes going gee steve bennett was nice to me because he could (laughs) he could have said that was just an awful show like you know and everyone involved (laughs) in it was awful everyone involved in it has the stink of it on them (laughs) you know i I thought that was really nice of Steve Bennett, yeah. Steve Benet, if you will. I I, yes. I really do. Chortley <laughs> from Chortley. <laughs> I do really appreciate that he did write that in saying that, seeing that maybe I was not, you know, I I was not of the vintage and the I did not have the kind of the the force behind me that the other performer Greg Fleet had. You know that you know Greg Fleet's a legend, and I was kind of just with Fleety trying to keep up with him and, and it turns out that year it was pretty easy to keep up with Fleety mm, but yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> when someone's not conscious it's pretty easy to keep up with them <laughs> even me will a droopy faced fuck like me <laughs> but <laughs> but I I did I I did have a moment thinking and I remember saying to my girlfriend at the time I was like saw the review and she was heartbroken for me. She was like, it's been a really rough run. You've also just come from another shit show in Adelaide and this is really hard this year. This is going to be a hard year. And I said, I I really like this review. I thought Mm. thought it was fair and (laughs) I was like, this is actually pretty good. It was the best case scenario that could have came from that show. Really? Right. It was absolutely the best because I got some immediate feedback from people that came to the show (laughs) and it was not as glowing, Will. Let me tell you that much. I mean, you met my people. People didn't appreciate your effort. Why are people so unkind? Is is this the show that turned you down off comedy? (laughs) (laughs) He never laughed again. It was the day the laughter died. Just the Kranksky sisters and Will Anderson for me. <laughs> Just <laughs> great sisters. It, it is the funniest. Oh. It is the funniest. Not because they're they are funny and they are they their are own people and they're so distinctive. Yep. But it is Absolutely. the funniest person, like group of people you can bring up to someone. Going, my dad loves the Kranksky sisters. He never goes to see a show, but he will not miss a Kranksky sister show. And there is something about the Kransky sisters mm. that – so I, I like I haven't seen them in years yeah. but like performed with them a bit back in the day at a few different festivals and things all over the place and lovely, mm. very funny. Yeah. Um, but as you said, just 
can't even find a reference for people who are listening to this who don't know who the Kransky sisters are. There's no nothing I can compare no. them to that will give you it's any like indication. It's like the Adams Family if they started playing instruments. You know, yeah. I, I think that's the only way you can like, kind of. Yeah. Like tripod if they were witches. <laughs> Okay, now that's the best description I've ever heard. <laughs> <Sorry>. But <laughs> it's like I would see – I remember going to see a show of theirs. Like it was like a you know, Kransky Sisters show. So everyone in the audience was there specifically to see the Kransky <laughs> Sisters. And there was a level of adoration for what it is that they were doing that like – you could tell it was a room full of people like your father who were just like, yeah, this is what comedy is. This is what it's all the about. The rest of it is bloody rubbish, <laughs> but whatever this is, <laughs> this is good. Dave Fusey Hughes can suck eggs. I'm going to yeah. go and see the Cranksy Sisters every year. <laughs> he's, he's no Cranksy sister. That's what he is not. <laughs> my, my, you know, my my mum told me one, you know, after that one of those um, one of those shows, I did a, a whole mm. month of that awful show, and my mum once told me that uh, there were two two girls standing ahead of her in the line, and and one mm. of them said to the other one, "That was the worst show I've ever seen," and the other girl goes, "It was worse than that." Which I don't understand, but my mum decided to tell me that after the after the show, and you know it was it was really Steve Bennett was so nice. Is I guess what I'm trying to say uh, in that whole experience. Hearing people's oh, feedback after the show was 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 more brutal than that. Well, it is like the, I don't think it happens as often now. Is honestly the truth. Like there is something about. You know the the size of the festival and the scope of the festival and the high barrier of entry to like get a mainstream room that most people come to play. Like I, I mean, I even say that you know about young people now. Like because when I first started, like I mean, this is my twenty seventh show at the festival. But when I first started, like as long as you did a good one every two or three years, like that was like enough to like keep you your momentum on the rise. Whereas like now, there's so many good people doing good shows that you can't afford to have like a shit year. You've, like you can have a year maybe that isn't, you know, you can do a really great show and then you can just do a very good show or whatever, but you can't, you can't afford to like, like, you know, do a, this is the worst show that I've ever seen. No, it's worse than that show. Right. Like, and I think the festival misses that a little because a proper train wreck of a show is actually part of the joy of a festival. Like I remember hearing about shows so awful that you would go and see them because you'd heard like just how awful they actually were. And I think that there is like – and not even to like mock or laugh at the person. Like there is just something about a show going so wrong, particularly now that I'm at the level where I know what it's like to be able to improvise a show and make like an improvised show work, that like when a show – is going so much worse than it would be if you were just making it up on the spot. <laughs> like the work you put in, whatever work yeah. you put into this show is making it worse than if you just started talking to people when they came in. That show was so bad, Will, that we had a director who decided he didn't want his name on it as it started. No. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, don't you think? Oh, I agreed. <laughs> but I was sad not to have a director anymore. I mean, it sounded like maybe one would have come in handy in the four weeks that you were doing the show. 
<laughs> just someone as well. There was, a, there was a really good moment, Will, as well, that I haven't, haven't told this, but it was so funny. It was this guy who ran the bar that we were doing the show at. Okay. And it, the venue itself was awful. Like it was a terrible no. venue. The noise bleed was atrocious and there was usually a band on at the mm. same time that the comedy was on. So okay, great. I think I – think Ideal conditions. Ideal conditions, absolutely. I think Mick Nevin was doing a show at the same venue. Okay. There was mm. people on and people, you know, comedians who, who found it hard – in that scenario, we were doing a sketch show. You know, I say that very loosely, but we were doing a. I mean, the word show we were doing very loosely, loosely. But we were doing. It was the it was the dead parrot sketch, <laughs> except that it was the unconscious partner That's sketch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this comedian's dead. No, he's just a slave. That's him. He's just having a little nap. That's, That's him. him. He's going to do a hilarious prank where he tries to take some of your money in a second. But we were we we were. <laughs> We were do- we were doing the show every night, and uh, yeah. I said to the owner one night, "Look, the band is on every night. I'm having a really hard time with with the show, but you know because the band's on every night, it's making it even harder to do it." And he said, "I'll have a chat to the band." The next day, I go in same time, and he goes, "I chatted to the band and." they can't change times. It's booked in. Mm. It's been booked in for a while and we can't change it. Mm-hmm. Guess whose band it was, Will? It was... Uh, the bar owner's <laughs> band. <That's right. laughs> so he went away, had a yeah. conversation with himself and decided, himself. no, it has to be on at the same the time. The only way to make this show good is to drown it out <laughs> with some loud music. Also not wrong. Also not wrong. But the fact Man. that he went away to think about that, had a conversation mm. with himself and decided, no, fuck that kid. I'm going to nah. <laughs> I'm gonna Sorry, press mate. on. <laughs> Sorry. You're not going to ruin my night too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sam Peterson, uh, thank you for being on what might be the official last faux fop in this feed. It's I huge. think that's right. Yeah, yeah. well, thank I you for lo- having I loved me on it. it. I love to announce things that I'm not entirely <laughs> sure of the details, so that may or may not be true. Uh, but you can find your Confessions podcast in all the places that you find podcasts. But this week's episode, Kirsty Weeback and myself are guests on that episode, so that would be a good one to start if you've never listened to Confessions before. Uh, Kirsty is absolutely hilarious, and there is some fun times <laughs> to be had in that podcast, some ridiculous riffs. If you like this podcast or Tofop, I think you'll very much enjoy that episode. And you have another podcast which is called Nature Versus Nurture is that what it's it, that's nature right, or it? nurture and it's on nature a, or nurture. But I think it's yes, fun right. that you improvised with it because nature versus nurture is, of course, the much easier <laughs> thing to find. But I decided for nature or nurture, nature <laughs> or nurture, the game show. The game show. Uh, yeah, right. Sam is a content provider, and uh, some of the content is nature or nurture, <laughs> right. uh, which is a good podcast as well. I have been a guest on that. If you want to find an episode to start on, uh, my other show, Philosophy, seems to be back at the moment, despite my protestations in the introduction every week that don't don't th- think that it's back it does seem to be back at the moment at the very least so um if people can check that out that'd be cool and uh, my show will illuminate when you hear this we'll have 
um, a few days left at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, but after that it is at the Sydney Comedy Festival, the Brisbane Comedy Festival, uh, Perth, Townsville, Sutherland Shire, Wyong, and other places to be added. So all the details at comedy.com.au. My book is I Am Not Fine. Thanks. You can find that in all the places you find books. My last year's special <laughs> is called Logical. It's on ABC iView. I have a lot of things it's to find It's a great at the special as well. Thank it's you. one of the greats. It's, it's so funny. You know what I love, though, as you would know, having seen the live show, but uh, um, the version on the ABC, so you have to, it has to be 60 minutes, mm. and it's a version that never existed in real life because, like, I did, you know, an 80-minute show that night, yeah. which was the show that I was doing on the road, and then we just cut bits out. And so the version that's on TV is by far and away the best version of the show. That 60 minutes is what the show should have always been and never was. <laughs> so, so if you're watching it online, just know that it's a lie. It's a big fat lie that you're watching. <laughs> uh, Sam, thank you so much. You can find uh, Sam on all the social media still, right? You're still on all the social media. Confessions of the Podcast. Yeah. I'm, on, I'm on all as Confessions of the Podcast and you can find me. I'm doing TikTok. I'm not doing live haircut streams, but I am on TikTok.com. I'm on Instagram.com, Confessions the Podcast, if you want to find it. But also just listen to it and just have a good time with wonderful people on Reddit.com. Listener.